Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. This is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. We'd like to welcome you to our discussion tonight. We are going to be talking about the seventh step. Seventh step. And for those of you keeping track, this is humbly asking God to remove our shortcomings. The shortest of all the steps, but so much right? involved. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, this is... There's a lot to this. This is, this is one of those steps that, like you said, it's very short, but there's almost not a bottom to it. There isn't. You know, so, so much goes into it, and, and nobody's going to be surprised to find out that the work that you've done in the previous steps have built up and led to this one. This is also one of those steps that if you're doing it right, you will always be doing it for the rest of your life, right. forever, you know. Because right. I hate to tell you, you're, you're always going to have some kind of shortcoming <laughs> that you're going to be working on. And that's an important thing to remember because if you understand that it's a process and that you're working on it, it will help you not be discouraged or allow or allow the time it takes to overcome those things. Yeah. Now, there's a little there's there's a little something that that I hold very very near and dear. Okay? And I rely on this. And that is is that I've always been taught that Christ Savior descended below all things, suffered everything, descended below all things, and then overcame them, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that thought has been so encouraging me, encouraging to me through this process because the process of overcoming is Christ-like. Right. So according, according to my belief system, that has been so powerfully encouraging to me, particularly when I'm struggling hard to overcome something, whatever it might be. Okay. Great thought. Great thought. Well, you know, that's that's something that jumps to my mind very quickly. So humbly asking God to remove our shortcomings. Okay. What does that look like? You know, what is and what does that accomplish? And what what uh principles are we trying to learn? What uh <clears throat> qualities are we trying to develop what what's the what's the purpose of this step well i'm going to start right with the first word humbly and i think uh i love i had a chance to to pop open the saa book and Mm -hmm. read the literature regarding this and the direction that it kind of headed and i really really like that Um, so if i read anything it's going to come from that Uh, the first thing they point out is is uh, we may wonder why it's necessary to ask humbly Many of us have confused humility with humiliation, and that's a, that's a great point. So much about uh, uh, this process uh, has come with so much shame and uh, humiliation, if you will, that it's, it's, uh, it's relevant. In fact, it, uh, it's almost robbed me completely of the understanding of the word humbly. And so I think there's something to that. Um, 
Uh, it simply means that we're not proud or too proud or too ashamed to believe that we can be helped. I think sometimes we think to ourselves that we're beyond help, that we can't be helped. Mm-hmm. And yet <clears throat> this thing that you talk about, about Christ descending below all, well, that's something that happened for somebody else, not for me. Right, yeah. And I think uh, uh, that's the humiliation side of that, this idea that I'm beyond help, that I can't, I can't be helped. <clears throat> now, we have those out there who may not be belonging to a, any kind of a Christian faith, but, but still that idea and notion, whatever it is that we consider to be a higher power, one of the things that we have to be able to do with this higher power is it has to have the ability to restore some amount of hope and some amount of help. And at this point in your recovery, you've done enough, you've done enough work that, that your idea or your concept of whatever your higher power is should be pretty, there well should defined. be some, yes, yeah, some, there should yeah. be some real substance in that, yeah. you know. I love the fact that then, you know, obviously that, uh, that AA um, been around for, what, 100, 100 plus years, and, and this obviously is very much built on a, a premise of a sort of a Christian faith background kind of a thing, and so they use the word God to identify that higher mm-hmm. power. And this is this step seven really calls it out. Humbly ask God, this, mm-hmm. this person, this higher power that we consider to be, uh, to, to remove these things. But, but I love the word humbly. Because that's new for anybody who's really existed uh, in the space of of uh, recovery for any long period of time. There's two disciplines that I've seen the very very most in all of our groups, and that's those who are are uh, you know who couldn't like myself who who couldn't find humility in their life if they tripped over it. Uh, you know everything was aggrandizement, and and that's how I dealt with my own insecurities. And then the reverse of that mm-hmm. is the those of us who are self-loathing constantly that have this idea notion that, that that that's all great for somebody else. It seems to work for them, but not for me. And those are the two camps that I see the very most. Right. Well, I mean, there's also the other where, you know, we anger, you know, we're, oh, yes. we're angry. Like, why did you give this to me? Why don't you just take this away? You have the, the ability or the power um, to do so instead of just being meek and humble and saying, okay, I get it. This is not something I can do. I'm going to answer that help. question right, All right now with go another ahead. letter. Okay. There it is. So this is the really interesting thing that he says in the, in the literature. The power of this step is in the asking, not in the result. Mm-hmm. And everything that you just brought up is really relevant because I think oftentimes in our own religious experience where how many of us cried out in the middle of the night, please remove uh-huh. this from me, and it never happened, yeah. right? And we found ourselves angry at God. And as a result of that, as our life has kind of progressed and this addiction has consumed us, the sense is and the feeling is that this is really God's fault. The reality of it is, is, is if, if what they're saying is actually true, the power isn't necessarily in the result, the asking of God and having this taking away. The power lies in the asking, mm-hmm. and that's really, really incredible. Well, I'm going to throw out a little uh, quote here that I think is applicable. There you go. Okay. Um, this is Confucius. I like Confucius. Who said that humility is the solid foundation of all virtues. Wow. Very nice. So, in a quest, in a quest to have God remove all of your shortcomings, the solid foundation would be to approach it with humility. Humility. Yeah. I'm going to add to that even even further. Coming again back to the book. Uh, The power of this step is in the asking, not in the result. We've read Mm -hmm. that. Asking is a very powerful act. It expresses a deepening surrender mm-hmm. on our part. Now, we've had a couple episodes regarding 
surrender and what right. that really means and yeah. how that it can be so powerful in the process of recovery. Uh, because in the absence of surrender, recovery really can't. It's not fertile soil for recovery to take over. Yeah. Right. And so um, the, the act of humility, acting or asking a higher power to remove this from us, has the ability. It's not, not the result per se, but it's in the power of the ask because it makes us... It, it makes us uh, dependent to some extent on something beyond ourselves, which is a powerful, powerful thing in the world that we're yeah. dealing with. I think it's another, you know, along the same lines. That's such, that's such a good way to start because, you know, wishing doesn't make anything so. Absolutely. You know, and if that's all it took, then we would all be cured. And years ago. Years and years ago. But what I love about the, the asking part is that it's a it, it's an action yes all right an action is work yes which means you've started yes mm-hmm. you know you've started the work and and it's putting you in the correct kind of mindset to to start to develop that virtue of yes of being able to surrender and or you know again any of the virtues that you're trying to develop you know if humility is the, the foundation for that then it's going to put you in a good place to I think so. To build yourself up. I'm gonna, and I think you, you, you've sort of touched on something that, again, the book actually addresses. The seventh step does not guarantee or even predict an outcome. We have found that God's will for us is usually different and ultimately greater than our expectations. Simply putting ourselves in God's hands is all that is needed. Now, I, uh, as I read this and prepared for this, uh, this presentation tonight, this discussion, <clears throat> I highlighted that. And part of the reason why I think that was so relevant to me is because as I think of Daniel's circumstance mm-hmm. and um, where he was at just even a few years ago in the process in comparison to where he's at now. Now, he's had some pretty traumatic things happen to him, obviously, yes. with the divorce and everything else. And I think of his circumstance in relation to so many that we've seen, whereas <clears throat> very early on it was a matter of, I just want this addiction to go away. Why? Because right. I think it will save my marriage, yeah. it will help right. me out, things like he that. Had some- some very, some, a very clear idea of what. Yes. Uh, yeah. What was going to be success? Was, yeah. Yeah. I will do this, and it will make everything right. That's yep. right. And yet, the reality of it is, you're living here tonight. With you're sitting here tonight with more clean time than you've ever experienced in your entire life. Yes. And even in in spite of all the rotten things that have happened to you, so the outcomes are ultimately greater than you could possibly have even dreamed up, simply because you were willing to do. The work associated with step seven, yeah, and I think that's interesting to think about. If I as I consider all the people that have gone through, I can think of three or four people right now whose marriages have ended, mm-hmm. whose circumstance when 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 you first hear them to go through them have been so tragic, and yet in every one of their cases they found themselves first of all prepared for that moment, and secondly found themselves in a place where <clears throat> true recovery could actually move forward. Yeah, and even though as bad as that sounds. It took it took losing everything to find something, and that's really really powerful to think about. And I think that's really encompassed right here in step seven. That's exactly what he's saying is is that for the author of this, we found that God's will for us is usually different, and ultimately greater than our expectations. So putting our simply putting ourselves in God's hands is really all that is needed. Yeah. So well, and especially with my my circumstances. Um, you know, looking back, I was in a 
it was pretty much like a toxic cesspool, really. Yes. It was a daily bombardment. And, you know, a lot of that was my own doing from, you know, my addiction sure, and that. Sure, um, And the place that my ex got to. Um, and yes, I have no control of her reactions, but a lot of what I did caused those. Yes. Um, and yeah. that daily, you know, pig pen, we'll, we'll call it. Sure. Just being in that filth constantly and bombarded with the sh- the shame and the guilt and that just daily just didn't help. But being removed from that, you know, and fi- having a place where that wasn't a daily thing really helped. Exactly. And it definitely, you know, <laughs> in the time, of course, I didn't think, oh, this is a, a gift, but it has been because by being removed from that, it got me into a clearer mindset and yeah. therapy was able to work uh, in a much different way. It was, you know, I didn't have the overall goal of, oh, this is going to save my marriage because that was gone. Um, right, so right. my my goal shifted. I don't, I'm not suggesting to any one of our listeners run out and get a divorce. No, no, like no. That. I'm not suggesting that. I'm, no, no. My point simply is, is that I'm amazed at how many people have been able to find sobriety, find recovery, when when the, the toxicity of the environment is such yeah. that they can't, they can't really land in any fertile soil for any of that to take, yeah. to take root. That, that when those things are when those things end and as bad as it seems as horrible and horrific as it seems uh, for whatever reason they're finding they're finding new places new space new places and opportunities to find sobriety and recovery yeah I mean it, I think it all comes down to like what you said the the fertile ground I mean there are some marriages where yeah the ground is fertile right I mean Gary's was and he and you got you know you and your wife have been able to thrive through that and grow and make that soil even better than it was before. Yeah. Uh, my case, it, that just wasn't an wasn't, option. Yeah, it wasn't, an, wasn't yeah. an option. I think something that we need to keep in mind as we, we kind of delve into this step seven is that there is a, you know, we've, we've touched a little bit upon humility yeah. and surrender, but th- I think this is the this is the step where the idea of uh, living life on life's terms really begins to, yeah. to right. manifest itself. I mean, if you're... <clears throat> If you're taking life on life's terms, then you're putting yourself in a state of peace, of serenity, of yeah. acceptance. Yes. You know, you don't know where the path is going to take you. You know, you know, we have faith that it's going to take us into a better place. Right. But what that might look like, I mean, I'm very, very fond of saying, you know, even a year into my recovery, that my life was better than I could have conceived or even imagined. Right. It, was, it was different, you know, and it, it was just better than I ever thought that it could have been. Excuse me, I had so much in my mind, in in my mind anyway, through all of that, that I was controlling my own destiny. Mm -hmm. And the reality of that was I was creating my own problems. And if that's controlling my destiny, then that's exactly what was happening. When I was finally willing to surrender and let that go and not worry about this path that you talk about, not necessarily understanding that, that it, you know, does it go right? Does it go left? And controlling that, mm-hmm. what I, all I know is, is that the direction that it's going to go is going to be better than where I'm at right now, and that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. And not really, uh, not really controlling my outcomes in the way that I thought was so relevant in the past. So I hear exactly what you're saying. That letting go of those kinds of things are really that's part of the humility side of things. Yeah. So I think that there's some. There's some thought. I'm going to kind of change gears. Was there something else you wanted to throw in there before? You know, no, because it'll probably come out in the discussion. But uh, <laughs> I was going to shift to kind of the practical application of this step. What is Love it? To. What, what does it look like? Yeah. So you know, like I said, by this time, 
you know, you should have started to gain some understanding of, of your higher power. And it might be a good time to sit down and kind of review what is that, you know. Right. Um, and kind of take a kind of take an inventory of what your relationship with with God is or, or what that looks like. Um, and then remember remember that this is attached to an action. So I think that that you need to sit down and decide how am I going to ask? Yes. You know, now that might look differently depending on you know how you want to approach it, but there does physically need something to transpire yes you know of course the first thing that comes to my mind would be you know prayer and then maybe meditation Mm -hmm. listening for answer kind of a thing you know but there's something there's some real power in the physical act of kneeling before god and asking Asking. yeah i think you're absolutely right i'm going to extend that a little bit what does it look like when it comes back the answer. What does it look like when it comes yeah, back? Yeah. What is so? What is a, so? So and, I, and and what's interesting is they. I think they kind of bring this out in this in this literature. But I. But it's really interesting to think about. Okay, I'm going to humbly ask God to remove these defects of character. We've talked about what that looks like, and it, and the power really is in the ask. Mm-hmm. But what then does it look like? What does God do? Though so oftentimes I think that we miss. What does mm. God do in your life that helps you along that path? That, I, I, that is a that's a great question. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll share okay. my experience. I remember now I was always you know growing up I was taught to pray, and I remember watching a movie in in recovery. Uh, it was a recovery based movie, and I remember watching it. And I remember the character kneeling at the foot of his bed. All right, mm-hmm. your your classic image of prayer on his sure. knees, hands clasped, and and. So I wanted, I wanted that, you know, and I chose, I chose to do it audibly just because I felt like it added something to to actually say the words, right? you know, and It's not something that I've done only once, you know, nor is it the kind of I don't want to give the impression that it was like prostrating myself or begging or groveling. Right. That's not exactly right. And I don't believe that's required. Yeah. But the result of that was I think in understanding that it was going to take time, Mm -hmm. but that it was possible. And the thing that made it so powerful for me was the feeling of peace that attended that. You know, Mm -hmm. it it was a a quiet reassurance. And I didn't feel alone, nor do I believe that it was unheard. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. anyway, that's kind of what that looked like it's powerful and and i try to i've made i've you know step 11 sure (laughs) you know increase your consciousness yeah Yeah. so that's that's part of my i don't want to use the word routine because i i I, it's um 
It's but, anything but routine. Yeah, yeah, but but it is part of my worship, if you will. It's sure. part of my recovery. It's sure. It's what I do. So that's that's how that looked for me. And and part of that is not not only do I ask, not only do I ask God to remove the defects of character, but I also express a willingness to surrender to whatever that process looks like. Yes. That I'm. Uh, yes, I want these removed, and I'm willing to do what it takes to have them removed, but I, I also acknowledge that I'm going to take life on life's terms, yeah. and it will come in his timing, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's great. I uh, uh, I read something this morning on the news that I think was incredibly powerful. It's, uh, obviously, we're dealing with the vaccinations for those, uh, you know, vaccination regarding this pandemic, and then, of course, the non-vax crowd. And there's a there's a message out there of how to deal with this this extreme sort of Christian belief of, of not vaccinating. And the story that they share, of course, is of a flood. A flood comes and uh, um, high water at first, man sitting on his front porch, man comes by in his canoe and says, hey, come on, let me take you to safety. No, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. Water gets a little higher, finds himself on the, you know, sort of the higher part of the house. And a man comes by in a motorboat. No, I'm waiting for God to, to come get me. Hey, I'll take you to, to, to safety. No, I'm waiting. And then, of course, the very end of it, he's on the roof. A man comes by in a helicopter. Hey, let me take you to safety. And he says, no, I'm waiting for God to, to rescue me. And uh, so the helicopter leaves. He dies, of course, drowns, goes to heaven. And, and there at the pearly gates, like, what, what, what gives, God? I mean, and God says something along the lines of, well, I sent a canoe, I sent a boat, and I sent a, a helicopter. A helicopter, what were you thinking? <laughs> and I thought of that mm-hmm. and thought to myself, that is exactly what we're talking about in recovery as well. Mm-hmm. And so the line that comes out of this book, right from the book again, one of the main ways God works in our lives is through other people. I agree with that. Asking to have our shortcomings removed is also expressed uh, is expressed through opening ourselves to other recovering sex addicts. And then I got thinking about my own experience and how many people, you know, uh, I have a, I don't know that I've, I think I've shared this in my own podcast, but but how influential, for instance, that you've been a part of my life and been, uh, and how fortunate I was, uh, especially when we consider your attempt at suicide and some other things that, that how meaningful it's been for myself. And I know it's been meaningful Dan, for Daniel as well. For you to be there, to be a part of my original group, to be, uh, to be at the place that I needed you at the point in time that I was having my trauma and my experience has become very meaningful for me. <clears throat> um, I think about our common counselor. I think of all these things where... where it, it's, it appears though as though in my life that um, that people were prepared to be in a place at the point in time that I needed them to be there. And uh, thankfully, you were unsuccessful in your attempt at, attempt at uh, jumping in front of a train because that's become relevant and important to me. And um, when I think of this very thing and how that comes back to us, um, it comes in the way of, of people doing God's work, if you will, and helping those at a time when that stuff is really relevant and really important. <clears throat> so that's the sort of stuff I think that jumped out at me. Something that recovery has really reinforced in my life is I really don't believe in coincidences anymore. Right. I don't. Do you know I remember once, I remember once I was in a really bad place and I was, I was in, I was in the office and I was, I was contemplating suicide. Maybe I've told this story, you know, but I remember, remember 
taking the gun and I emptied it and I put it up to my head and I pulled the trigger a few times and listened to it click. You know, and then I loaded it and got it ready and, and I had this thought. You know, I was sitting across from an empty chair and for whatever reason I, I remember thinking maybe I shouldn't because someday somebody might need me. Even though I didn't feel that way at the time. Right. But no, I think I think when you turn your life and your will over to the care of God, you'll you'll find yourself I mean, I, I never once in that moment conceived that I would that I would be in a situation where I am now. Right. Right. Not in my wildest dreams. Yeah. You know. Never thought that I'd be talking to the two of you. Never thought that I'd be doing a podcast. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, sharing all of these, you know, really quite deep and personal things. You know, and and the relationship that I've developed with you guys is very reciprocal. I mean, you know, you have no idea how much it's helped or strengthened my recovery to help you with yours. Yes. You know, and so many times when I've reached out to you guys to find out how you're doing, it's because I want to make sure that I'm in a, you know, it's that little... I'm feeling a little off. I'm going to see how Daniel's doing. I want to see how Mike's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think about the, the trickle down of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people do I reach out to in the day that uh, aren't necessarily, and I mean, they may be your friends or maybe connections of yours simply because of participation in some of our common counseling and groups, but, but that are, are indirectly benefited from you not taking your life mm-hmm. and how powerful that is uh, to think that, that because I'm here now and answering some of those calls and questions and and they're in some cases doing the same thing you're talking yeah. you know the the we think about the wake that was created as a result of our addiction and the, the damage that has been done but then you know equally so there's just as much good that's being done as a result of recovery well Aren't we promised in the that all things will be will work together for your good? Absolutely. Yeah. When you do that, right? Some New Testament stuff, I think. Yeah. So I, uh, I that that those, that sentence hit me very very powerfully as I was reading over that. That I do believe that we really are um, engaging in something that's that's uh, powerful and meaningful and relevant. And that, uh, and we've had we've had some of our readers, some of our listeners, write in and say, you know, this has been very helpful for me. And I, um, that's that's the work that uh, I think about when we're talking about, you know, ha- humbly asking God to remove these shortcomings. Uh, that's the humility side of things. I think that really helps. It's the powerful side of things. You know, I'm I'm reminded of a story I want to share really quick. This was this was when I was in the hospital after the accident, and one of the nurses came in. And I remember watching her as she was going about what she was doing and thinking about, you know, you're, you're doing that like, you know, it's just a routine for you now. I said, but how many, I thought to myself, how many hours of study yes. and work did you have to put into your life to put you in a position that you could now serve or help me out? Yeah. You know, and I thought of, I don't know why the image of, of, Imagining her staying up late at night studying for tests or agonizing over, 
getting things right. Anyway, that's a, that's a very, very humbling kind of a thing. And I think that, I don't know, I think that when you ask God, he'll, he'll answer and he'll put you, he'll put you on a path that you, you don't know what it's going to look like. So you need to, to just buckle up, and buckle up, ride. take yeah. life on last terms. Here it comes, yeah. you know, I'm going to finish reading this, this paragraph because mm-hmm. there's just you know, a couple of sentences here. One of the main ways God works in our lives is through other people. Asking to have our shortcomings removed is also expressing, uh, is expressed through opening ourselves up to, up to other recovering sex addicts. And I think we've talked a bit about that because that's a that's a big component about yeah. what we're about. Our fellow addicts help us in many ways. And I, um, I remember how resistant I was to wanting to share, to discuss that with anybody, and how different that is now after four and a half years of working my recovery. Um, so resistant even in our very first group to want to talk about what I've been involved with and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. And yet, and I'm certain it's been that way for you as well, but as time has gone on, how we want to open up. Uh, Thinking about the nine-step promise of how we don't want to close the door on our past. We want to to use it to our benefit. And then he goes on to say this, they can give us encouragement when we lack confidence. They can help us see shortcomings that we may may have been unable to recognize on our own. And that is so much, so, so true. How many yeah. times have we all reached out and said, I'm, I'm in this bad place or I'm having this struggle or I'm, I'm, am I seeing this right? And how many times have we said, wow, look, you know, you're seeing that maybe from a different, different perspective. Simply telling others about our defects can reduce their power over us. Yeah. And just having someone to listen to us in our struggles is often the very help we need. Yeah. All right, well, before we wrap up, and I know we're just about out of time, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, are there any shortcomings that have been removed from your life or at least diminished in their power over you since you've started your recovery? Oh, my goodness. I mean, my addiction for one. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, definitely, uh, you know, I have less anxiety. I mean, I used to have, be, have a lot of anxiety so much I was taking pills twice a day just to be normal to manage the anxiety yeah um you know i mean it's even something in therapy that's come up it used to be a question would be asked and i'd immediately have to answer because if i didn't answer then you know something bad was going to happen now i take my time to think about it and answer it um so i definitely i have clear thoughts and i take the time uh, to actually process instead of just spitting an answer out to say I s- answered something I'm actually so that's those are several things right there that have changed or, or diminished you know like I, I can't even remember the last time I had a panic attack honestly <laughs> it's been over a year at that's least that's remarkable I'm yeah. just thinking the same thing of how, how how much more confident I feel yeah in just tackling life just moving through and so some of the bigger issues that used to just just work me over hard, now I see it as though they're they're beatable. Like I, a, I, I can accomplish this. I can do this. Um, those are just some of the things. But I, I um, some of the defects that I think of specifically, uh, um, my relationship with my wife is entirely different. 
And so much of that has to do with re reduction of, of defects in my life. This idea that I was always right, uh, that, that my opinion is the only one that matters, and now I'm asking my, myself all the time when I find myself in a, in a sticky wicket of some type, first question out of my mind is, am I, am I seeing this right? Am I seeing this correctly? And uh, just taking some time to just be present in the moment, be part of what's actually occurring, be part of the lives of the people that really matter in my life. All of those things have changed dramatically as a result of, of um, these defects, this, this sort of removal of defects, yeah, absolutely. Not acting awesome. out, not feeling the urge to act out. All of those things. All right. Well, yeah. keep thinking about that. You got something <laughs> to write in your gratitude journal tomorrow. <laughs> Plenty to write in my gratitude yeah. journal. <laughs> How about you? Um, I think if I were to think of just one off the top of my head, it would be fear. Yes. I lived my life in a constant state of fear. Whether it was fear of being caught or fear of being not being able to control things. My, my life was always, always, in one, to one degree or another, in a state of just fear. And I, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah, I can so relate to that. I was terrified of what the future would bring or what it wouldn't. Right. And now I'm not. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's the first one that that's a very dramatic one. I'm sure there's a lot of subtle ones. I still have a lot of shortcomings I'm working but, but, on. But just the recognition of those shortcomings. Yeah, and that's also me, a big one. For me, I spent my life um, masking all of those shortcomings with, with you know, others. Yeah. As it was all their fault. And so just recognizing the shortcomings is, is a big piece of it. So... Yes. Uh, it's 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 just the recognition of so many insecurities that I've hidden for so many years, and working through those insecurities. Those are that it's been phenomenal. It really has been quite a path. So, this addiction has given me so much more than it ever took from me. Took a lot of work to get there, though. Yes. A doubt. Yeah, you're not wrong. Without a doubt. And there's more to come. Absolutely. Then that's yeah, also that's, an encouraging thought. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't see it as a cured ham, I'm done sort of stuff. You know, I'm cured, I'm done. It's uh it's it's I'm just this far up the mountainside, still looking for that, that you know, that all the way to the peak kind of a thing. But the view's good here, but it's gonna get better. And that process is a blessing. Absolute gift. Yeah. Which is another one, recognizing right. that. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. It's been quite a process. Life is good. Well, we are out of time. We've gone over again. so All the good ones do. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Gary encouraging you to do the next right thing. This is Mike saying, do the work necessary. Do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, 
or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEP-PODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.